You're in the 21st lesson in the book of Revelation, chapter 15, uh, and we'll do part of chapter 16. So imagine that, we're going to cover a little bit more than one chapter tonight. So if you have your Bible, turn to Revelation chapter 15. We're going to read through verse 7 of chapter 16. Then you begin to just kind of look at this very interesting chapter. And guess what? We will finally be out of the interlude section. And we will be continuing into the last seven vial judgments, or sometimes called bowl judgments. Depending on the version of the Bible that you read, it may even say plagues. Essentially, they're all the same. Uh, just it depends upon what version you are reading there. So let's go ahead and get started. Chapter 15. Then I saw another sign in heaven. Imagine that. Sign after sign after sign. Great and marvelous seven angels having the seven last plagues. For in them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of gold. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been manifested. After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests girded, with golden bands. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Chapter 16. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl, on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. Last verse, verse 7. And I heard another from the altar saying, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. 
So, as I said before, as we look at this, we have now come out of the interlude section, which was chapter 12 through chapter 14. That interlude was between the seventh trumpet and the beginning of the first vial or bowl judgment. We're going to be looking at the last plagues or judgments, as, as it's called, if you have the King James Version, it calls it the plagues there. And in them, it tells us, is the wrath of God fulfilled? It is completed. So this is going to be the completion of God's wrath or the fulfillment of God's wrath. That is in your questions, by the way. However you like to say that, because it really says it's both. It is the fulfillment or the completion of God's wrath as we finish up these last seven. Now tonight, we're only going to talk about the first three plagues. Uh, in chapter 16. Let's look at verse 1 in chapter 15. And there's a, it says another sign. There are seven angels that have these vials that are filled up with the wrath of God. Vials or bowls. I like to think about them as bowls because we can really visualize what a bowl is. And when you pour out a bowl, if you ever drop your cereal bowl or you uh, you know, your soup, uh, you spill it out of that bowl and you understand that it's going to spread and it's going to be poured out. So that's kind of what we're looking at is that they're going to be pouring out the wrath of God upon those who remain upon the earth that are not children of God. As we look at that, it's getting the time frame is that it is getting near the end of the tribulation period. And we believe that because of all the other judgments that have come to pass and because, you know, we see uh, that God's saying, I'm going to complete it. So it is somewhere between the half mark and the end mark that we see of the tribulation that all of this is happening. So that's, that's kind of the time frame. If you look at verse 2, there are what I would call tribulation saints who are standing on a sea of glass mingled with fire. I don't know what this is. Commentaries are very interesting as you look at them. Um, it could be simply the glory of God being kind of mirrored as you have the sea of glass and they are standing in the glory of God. Uh, we don't know what this sea of glass is, but it is symbolic that it is a victory because but they have gotten the victory over four different things. They've gotten victory over the beast. So these are tribulation saints. I believe mostly Jews, if not all Jews. Victory over the beast. Victory over his image. Victory over his mark is what it says, and also victory over the number of his name. They're victorious. The Bible says that we are victorious, that we are more than conquerors. And, and even in times of tribulation, even in times when the world is against you or even the devil himself, God can cause you to be victorious. Does that mean you don't go through trials and through tribulation? No, what it means is 
that the outcome, we know that's the most important thing, right? The outcome is victory. Uh, that's important as we look at this. So as we look at the time frame, like I said, it is between the middle and the end of the tribulation period because we know that these saints have gotten victory over all the things that we talked about uh, over the last couple of weeks, over the mark, over the beast, over all of those things. So they've gotten victory over that. It couldn't be before that. It had to be after that. That's how we kind of know that's towards the end of the tribulation period, raptured tribulation saints, because this is a heavenly scene. So these are raptured tribulation saints. And they sing two songs. If you like to sing, there's going to be singing in heaven. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, we've already talked about that there were some songs that certain people couldn't sing. Right? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Here, these raptured tribulation saints, which again, I believe to be mostly, if not all, Jewish people because of what they're singing, number one. They are singing the song of Moses. How many ever read Exodus chapter 15? The song of Moses. What you have there is a scene where Israel has been delivered from Egypt, from Pharaoh and his armies, come through the Red Sea. The Israelites have made it out the other side, but the Pharaoh and his armies are drowned in the sea as God causes it to come back. There is a joyful, song of deliverance that is the song of Moses that is sang. Also, Miriam, I mean, remember that name. She gets really excited about what God has done, and she gets her tambourine out, and she begins to dance and to sing and to rejoice. Can I tell you, God causes you to have deliverance. A response to that is worship and singing and rejoicing. And uh, we see that. That's going to be in heaven. If you don't like worship, you might want to work on that. Because <laughs> there's going to be a lot of singing and rejoicing. Uh, but not only the song of Moses, but what other song? The song of the Lamb. You see, it's, heaven is all about the Lamb. It's a wonderful time of rejoicing. Feet won't get tired, and I get tired. Especially when I wear dress shoes on Sunday morning. Because I, I don't have good feet, right? Back won't get tired, hands won't get tired of holding them up. We'll just have new bodies, and we'll be excited to worship the Lord. We'll just be dancing and jumping all around and excited uh, about, I, I, honestly, I look forward to that. I remember in my 20s, I could worship with the best of them, folks. <laughs> now if I jump up and down two or three times, it's like, let me catch my breath here. It's going to be a time of rejoicing and worship and singing this song of the Lamb. So this group, not only are they linked to Moses, but they're linked to Jesus. Everyone who goes to heaven has to be linked to the Lamb.
Does the Bible tell us that there's multiple ways and only and some, some one of those is Jesus? No. What does it say? One way. He is the way, the truth, the life. Uh, they're linked to the Lamb. So what a, a heavenly scene here that we're looking at. Verse 3 and 4, it's all about worshiping the Lord. And it brings out the kind of the creation works of Jesus. It's featuring that, but also it also talks about fearing God. What does the Bible tell us about the fear of the Lord? It's the beginning of wisdom, right? When we come before God, and I think this is an area, and I've talked about it before, so I won't center on it too long, reverence is what this is about. And many times we talk about other religions or denominations and some of their problems. Pentecostals may be a little too rowdy <laughs> in their worship and not reverent enough. Truth is truth. Uh, but you can rejoice and be exuberant, but there's also times to be quiet and sit in God's presence and know that he's God. The Bible tells us, it shows both. Psalm says rejoice. I say, you know, well, Philippians says rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. But also in Psalms, it says, be still and know that I'm God, right? So there's this reverence, but also jubilance that uh, is, they're both appropriate. So it's talking about who shall not fear the Lord. This is, I believe, uh, for that one statement, I believe it is a foreshadowing of Armageddon, which is to come. Who shall not fear the Lord? God will show his utter dominance and sovereignty and Armageddon. It will not be a battle in the thought that the enemy has any chance whatsoever. Who shall not fear the Lord? And the Lord will exercise his total authority over all the nations and the whole world is going to recognize him as the Lord. We see this foreshadowing as we move forward. So as we look at verse 5 and 6, how many knows that the earth mirrors heaven? We have altars here, but the altar is in heaven. Jesus took his own blood to heaven and poured it out, right? As the exchange or the price for our sin. So everything on earth, it mirrors heaven. I don't mean everything, but I'm saying spiritual things on earth are mirrored in heaven. They're a mirror of heaven because the, the tabernacle, which Moses had built and, you know, even the temples that were built, all of those, there is a temple in heaven. But the greater is always in heaven. So as we look at this scene, this there's the temple of the tabernacle. You really kind of have to kind of dig into this and, and from how I've looked at it and studied it and talked uh, with others about it, this is really kind of a, ref, a reference to the Holy of Holies in heaven. It is the temple of the tabernacle. It is the interior 
of the tabernacle, which is the Holy of Holies. Uh, I think it's important, but I don't think it's necessarily, if I got that wrong, it's not going to not let me go to heaven, put it that way. This is talking about the heavenly scene, and it's opened up, and there's this holy place of God, and from that holy place, which is why I'm saying it's kind of like the holy of holies, come the angels, and then God tells them to begin the judgment. As we look at that, that's kind of verse 5 and 6. Verse 7 and 8, as the angels are coming out of the temple of the tabernacle, then one of the beasts, how many, do you remember the beast that we talked about, the heavenly scene way back in Revelation? You had the four beasts and you had the 24 elders all around the throne. Well, and we talked about those four beasts being representative of the gospel, representative of the leadership of God. And so uh, we don't know exactly what those are, but we do know uh, that those four beasts did the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are also linked to those because they speak of the same thing and how those beasts look. So as we look at this, one of the beasts gives to the angels these bowls that are filled with the wrath of God. And once the angels have came out of the temple, of the tabernacle there, tabernacle of the temple, I should say, then what happens to this special place in heaven? Fills with smoke. Does that remind anybody of anything in the Old Testament? When the temple is filled with smoke, right? It is, it is God's glory, God, the smoke. Pentecostal realms call it the Shekinah glory of God. Uh, and it is just a thick presence of God like a cloud. You can think of it as maybe even like the cloud that covered the Israelites as they were wandering in the desert. This is the, the glory and the power of God is what this is. And so it's filling the temple. And it reminds me of the Old Testament when Moses would enter the temple and the cloud would descend and then no one was able to minister in the temple there, but no one is able to go in in this heavenly scene into that area where the cloud and the smoke has filled the temple. That's interesting, right? I mean, we think about heaven being, in my mind, I, I, I'm not sure that I understand this because I think about heaven being full openness and access to God. But in this scene, when the smoke and the Shekinah glory of God fills the area, they're not able to go in and minister until the angels have done their job. So it's interesting as we look at this. So in this scene, no one is able to enter the temple until the remaining seven plagues or judgments are poured out by these angels. So this is such a presence that reminds us of the holiness of God. Speaking of the holiness of God, when we think of the holiness of God, we think about his love and mercy. Truth, truth be told, we think about God's love and mercy when we talk about his holiness. And that is a part of his holiness. 
But the other part, which is not what we talk about too often, is God's wrath and God's judgment. They both, they all speak of God's holiness. Now, we don't like to center on that because we need his mercy and we need his uh, love and compassion and we need that. But here it is speaking about a sign of God's holiness, which includes his judgment and his wrath. Because God is holy, then he demands judgment on sin. It would be like us as parents, if we only rewarded our children when they did something right, but we never punished them when they did something wrong or disciplined. I don't like the word discipline better, but that's not a good parent, right? And God is spoken about in heaven as the father. So he, we, that's where we get our idea of what a good father is, right? Uh, so there are all of these signs of the holiness of God. And can I tell you that confuses the world? How many besides me have ever heard this statement? How can God send people to hell? I know, I know. How can God let people stay sick? How can, you see, because they don't understand that the holiness of God is, is not simply just his love and compassion. It is great and it's wonderful. And we, we want to, I, I want to experience his love and compassion and not his judgment. So therefore I need to be obedient. It's true. We don't like to, we're not working to receive his love and, and mercy, but it is a part of the relationship when we have it good relationship with God. So that's a part of what the holiness of God is about. See, because people get confused and that's a hard topic if you don't understand who God is. His wrath and his judgment. It is a part of his nature. You need that side of it as well. You may have had the, can I tell you the Holy Spirit acts as sometimes as God's disciplinarian? To Christians? Yes. Because if not, we'd be acting like heathens, right? I mean, is that not true? And it's the job, you know, the Holy Spirit has many jobs. I, I, I think sometime I may just speak about what does the Holy Spirit do? Why do we need it? Number one, the Holy Spirit teaches us all things. So when I begin to teach, and I love to teach, and I'm anointed to teach, but if it's just my skills and abilities, it's nothing. It's the Holy Spirit that causes the change in the conviction. Conviction is not a bad thing, by the way, uh, for us to change. The Holy Spirit convicts and convinces us of our sins so that we change. The Holy Spirit, how many ever had the Holy Spirit? He's getting ready to give somebody a spiritual slap to the face, you know. <laughs> How many ever had the Holy Spirit stop you from saying something or doing something that when you look back on it, you would have regretted? If we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, it, it, He will do that. Will we still make some mistakes? We gotta hear His voice and we gotta be in tune with the voice, right? 
of the Holy Spirit. So uh, that is the nature and the, the attributes of God is that he does judge sin. So chapter 16, speaking of voice, there is this great voice that comes from heaven. And I believe it is God's voice because uh, depending upon the version that you're reading, it may say a loud voice or a great voice or however it words it, it's God's voice, right? And uh, it tells the angels, this is the other reason why it's God's voice, is because nobody else has the authority to tell the angels to go and pour out the vials of wrath upon the earth. And so we're going to look at three different vials tonight, or bold judgments. And the first one is gross. Uh, it is this vile judgment contains a foul. Now this is the way my version reads it. You may, it may say something different. I may ask somebody has a King James to tell me what it says, and maybe if somebody has a different version. New King James says it, has, it is a foul and loathsome sore upon those that have the mark and worship the image. The message says loathsome stinking sores. Stinking sores, yeah. New Living Translation said horrible malignant sores. Horrible malignant sores. Ugly and painful. Is that an NIV? NIV. Carol, I know you got new King. I know you got King James. Go ahead, because that's the only one you read. Says there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men. Noisome and grievous. Said upon the men. Homework for y'all. Y'all go look up that word men and see what it means. It's it's not just the males. It is mankind. It will be, yes. That is left upon the earth. This is a heavenly scene, but there may be times when there are people here who don't have it. And some do, but and I believe that those who don't have the mark will either starve to death eventually or be beheaded or be something will happen to them. Uh, they'll give it, I mean, the Bible confirms this in, in several places in, in Revelation that they're not going to make it. You know, that, that, that they won't be able to buy, sell. I mean, you starve to death or you'll be beheaded for your faith in God and not in the enemy. So that's a great question. You know, how if you can't serve God now, when we're in the dispensation of grace, how are you going to serve God when it's the dispensation of his wrath? I'm not saying no one will be able to, but I'm saying it's not going to be easy. This sword, now I'm going to tell you something that it could be. I'm not saying it is, but I'm, I'm going to look, let's look at this creatively. This sword, so I believe the mark to not just be on the hand or on the forehead, but in it. I believe it to be something like a microchip that is embedded under the skin. You see, when this was written, there was you could not imagine something being put under the skin, right? And so 
This is a vision of what John's seeing. Yes, the wording is inspired by God, but doesn't mean that John understands everything he's seeing, right? And so this could be a mark in the hand or in the forehead. Remember, this is not just an economic thing. It is a allegiance thing. And you're taking an oath. You're worshiping the beast. It's a, I believe it'll be the, a form of surveillance. Because how are they going to know? You're going to try to run and hide in the caves and they'll find you. So uh, it could be a microchip embedded under the skin. Now, you might have a lithium battery or something like that in it. Could it be that maybe after it's been under your skin for a long time? We don't know. There has been some of this done lately. Will that fail? Will that battery die? Will that lithium leak? Could that be the source of the sore? We don't know. It could be just God says, you took the mark, I'm going to make you suffer for it, right? Um, but there could be a physical explanation for this as well. And I'm not saying that's what it is, but it sure makes you kind of think. And this is going to be in vile, smelly, as some of you said, noisome. Uh, the word noisome is interesting. Uh, I need to kind of look up what does that really mean, noisome in the original. It is going to be a terrible thing. Yes, it is. Charles Barkley would say that. So that is the first vial, the first judgment. So a stinky, nasty, sore. Some of those versions say sores. Some say singular. So I believe it to be at the place of the mark. But doesn't mean it is. I'm just thinking that that makes sense, right? Uh, because it's the way it's worded there. So the second angel comes, pours out a vial. Uh, before I say what it is, if you go all the way back to chapter 8, the trumpet judgment in chapter 8, it affected the sea water, the fresh water, and the earth. But how many remember what portion of that was affected? A third. A third. Here, there's no mention of a third. It is all, is what it says, of these things are going to be affected. And it's going to be like a dead man. And this is talking the first judgment is on the sea. Okay? And like a dead man's blood. Not to get too graphic, but that's going to be gross. Okay? It's not going to be a little bit red and a little... A dead man's blood is, he died for a reason. Probably of some kind of infection, some kind of disease, some kind of... When you prick yourself and you get blood, it's not that... Uh, on a living person, it's not that gross. But there's a reason why they drain out the blood on people when they die, right? And they get rid of that. Uh, so it's going to be gross and it's going to be smelly. Yes, it does. Yeah, you slaughter animals, you understand this is gross, smelly, bad. It will kill everything, every living creature in the sea. Every. 
So, you know, you begin to think, how's anybody going to survive at this point? And it also, this is confirmation of what we said back then. If you think this is bad, you haven't seen anything yet. It's confirmation that as we go throughout the tribulation, that the judgments will become worse and worse. And so we, we see that. It's affecting more and more. So you get to the third angel. This angel pours out upon the rivers and the fountains. So the fresh water. Again, rather than it being a third of the rivers and the streams and the fresh water, it is all. I wonder if you've got water collected, if it would also be affected. That's a great question. They may have collected water by this time because they probably remember when a third yeah. were affected. Well, especially when the rivers turned mm -hmm. and they remember right. what happened next. Right. Speaking of water, I just threw this in here because I remember this. Bill, it'll be fresh in his mind too. When we went to Haiti, you gain an appreciation for fresh water. So right now, in your house, you take things for granted. Let me show you how you take things for granted. You walk up to the, the little thirsty, or you're going to take your medicine, and you just put a cup underneath there, and you take your medicine. You can't do that in Haiti. Not unless you want to be sick, sick, sick. Even as simple as I'll need to brush your teeth, what do you do? Turn on the water, get that toothbrush wet, start brushing. You better not do that in Haiti. But what you have to do in Haiti is you have to find bottled water and you have to use it for every application. You cannot just use water in the cooking process without purifying it either in Haiti. And you had to check the cap to make sure that it hadn't been something that they refilled. That you, it was yes. Good. You better make sure it's fresh sealed water. And the heat I've never seen anything as oppressive as the heat of Haiti. It was unreal. 115 degrees every day. It rained one time. Jason went out and stood out in it. Rained a total of about five minutes. It was hardly enough. It was hotter after he quit. Yes, it was hotter after he quit. And his shirt dried in like 2.5 seconds. You know, it's just, so your appreciation for water but he goes beyond that. What is the, what do the seas and the rivers and all that, not only are they our source for us to drink and to do all those things, but they purify the earth. They want, when it rains, they wash the, the, the dirt and the impurities and the uh, filth and the garbage and filter it and, you know, all those things are going on. So we don't think about the importance of water and the balance that it brings to nature. And if it is poisonous or putrid, then you're in bad shape. You're going to get sick and to not death. To get a, not to get ahead of the game, but is, does, does it say how long this lasts? That's a good question. Because I don't, I don't you think it does. Go, well, you can only go so long without... You can. You can. But we're nearing the end here, even though... You know, even though we're only in chapter 16 at this point, we are nearing the end of the, of the judgment. 
No, there's not a mention, and it could be a time in between, therefore, affects the sea, but they're able to still have fresh water for a while. We don't know that. It doesn't really spell out the time frame. But it will all be, at some point, all of the water. Now, the good point is, what happens to what's been stored or whatever? We don't know. Um, well, I get it, you know, but it, it says those seven angels were gathered together and, and they came out. Stepped, uh, yeah, he yeah. told them to. Makes you believe it's. Makes you believe it's one like right after the other. Yeah. It, it does. It doesn't tell you that, but it makes you think that that's what, that it's boom, 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 immediate judgments one after the other. That's what it makes you think that is happening. I promise you this, it will all be in God's timing. That's for sure. Whether it's fast or it was over a period of weeks, and God will bring it all down to the very end. So our water to shower with came from a cistern. So it was collected rainwater. So it wasn't like from... Didn't have running water. And didn't have running water. It like. And it wasn't treated. It was just... Rainwater, essentially, collected. We were in a compound. And they, that sounds like prison for a reason. Uh, <laughs> there was no air conditioning. Zero. They had places for air conditioners in, in there. There was no air conditioners. There wasn't electricity except via a generator at night. Is that, that's about correct. two hours, yeah. For about two hours, long enough for you to cook dinner, to be able to see the cook dinner and hopefully get the shower before it got too dark. Well, they did have gas stoves, so they, they could cook on the yes. gas stove. Yeah. I mean, not to get gross, but we actually collected. I mean, we had a sink with a five-gallon bucket under the sink, and so the water that came out of the cistern, if you washed your hands or whatever with it, we used that water in the five-gallon bucket to flush the commode. So, yeah, it was bad. Even to the point when you took a shower, they said, don't hold your head up and open your eyes. You don't want to get that water in your eyes. Keep your mouth closed. The whole works. Well, it was bad enough that our pastor and Philip and Jason <laughs> all slept outside. They didn't even sleep in the dorm. I did not. Couldn't. I couldn't sleep. The first night, I literally slept 45 minutes, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, and they took I, their blankets or their... And I only their, fell asleep. Climb, but their mattress outside and slept outside. I only fell asleep. I fell asleep the first night with my head leaning against the rail on the porch outside for 45 minutes. And then Bill said, it's time to get up. We got to go because it's going to get hot. We got to work while it's not hot. And I'm like, whoo, night was over. One night gone. You know, so um, anybody who thinks we went on a vacation uh, I challenge you to come with us if we ever go again uh, but anyway that, that being said so the heat was so oppressive and I had a water bottle bigger than this probably almost double this and in 115 degree temperature I drank eight of these a day and was still dehydrated rarely went to the bathroom that's the kind of heat that you are looking at in Haiti. It is rough. Why don't I describe this? If there's a place right now that's bad, folks, it's going to be bad. Right? 
Uh, and we, the, what's been affected and judged, all these, this water is vital to life. It really is. They drink that water. Yeah, they didn't seem to have a problem with the, with the heat. Well, their systems is, that's yeah, they've gotten used to it. Uh, the angels have all, not all of them, these first three, they pull their miles or bowls, it's hard to say quickly, upon the sea, the fountains, and the rivers. And then the angel says something that's very interesting, and it goes along with what we talked about tonight. How righteously God has judged. That's what the angel says. And why, why is it righteous? Why is there justice in all of this judgment? And the angel says, because... The world has shed the blood of the prophets, and now they must drink the blood. Justice is about, the picture of justice that they use in books is a balancing scale. That's what lawyers and judges and all that they have, that's the symbol for the, the judicial branch of our government is a set of scales. So they're, uh, and these verses are, Simply saying that God is worthy to judge. He's, he's worthy to judge. And he's justice. He, has, he is just in his judgments. Even though to us this looks like, wow, that's really rough, God. But if you understand that all up to this point until the tribulation has occurred, have had a chance to repent and to turn. If you are a survivalist and you watch Bear Grylls, you may ever watch Bear Grylls on TV, they will drink and eat anything, including boil the, their own urine yes. in order to stay hydrated. So when you're thirsty enough, they may very well, that's nasty to think about, but they may very well try to do that to keep from being totally dehydrated. So question one from chapter 15, the last seven plagues are the blank of the wrath of God. Fulfillment or completion or the fulfillment, either one of those words. Question number two, what four things did the people standing on the sea of glass have victory over? Yes, the beast, the image, the mark, and the number of his name. That's correct. Question number three. What two songs do they sing? Moses and the Lamb. Song of Moses, Song of the Lamb. Question four. What came out of the temple? Verse, according to verse six. Seven angels. Seven angels with seven plagues. Question number five. What did one of the four living creatures give to the angels? Seven bowls full of the wrath of God. Seven bowls. Yeah. What y'all said? Seven bowls full of the wrath of God. Question uh, from chapter 16, question number one. What did the loud voice instruct the angels to do? Go pour out the wrath of God. Question number two. What was the first vial? 
noisome and grievous or foul and loathsome or whatever your Bible says there, definitely some kind of sore. Question number three. What was the second vial? Seed became blood as of a dead man. Question number four. What was the third vial? Rivers and springs became blood. Rivers and springs became blood. 